Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, April 21st. We begin with a look at the impact the sky-high inflation rates are having on everyday Canadian consumers. We get insight from Moshe Lander, economics professor from Concordia University. Next, we explore what more we can do to support Ukrainians in their battle against the Russian invasion. We hear details on the hashtag Unite with Ukraine campaign, which has already raised close to $20 million to help residents in that war-torn country. With the preseason just over 30 days away, it's time to start thinking about the 2022 Calgary Stampeders. We hear about the many season ticket options available to fans right now at deeply discounted prices from Alex Snell, Senior Manager, Business Operations for the Calgary Stampeders. And finally, if you can find a more unique story this week, please let us know. We hear details of new research coming out of the UK claiming that mushrooms actually communicate with one another. We speak with a professor who was part of the research and hear the digitized sounds the fungi make in conversation. Well, yesterday, Stats Canada made the announcement. In March, Canada's inflation rate rose to 6.7% heights not seen since 1991, 31 years ago. With insight into the cause and impact of the high inflation rate, we are joined this morning by Moshe Lander, economics professor at Concordia University. Good morning to you, Professor Lander. Good morning. Well, let's get to the root right now and talk about the factors that cause this high inflation rate. What's behind it? So, It's mostly a combination of supply-side and demand-side issues. So the supply-side issues is stuff that we've been talking about in news cycles for the last few months now, right? Any sort of supply chain disruption that starts from, say, like factory floors in China to getting goods onto the shelves in Canada because of COVID, lockdowns, restrictions, and things like that. It's just adding to the cost of getting those goods to the shelves if they make it there. The demand side is that as COVID restrictions are relaxing and as the economic consequences of COVID are starting to recede, uh, we're cutting loose. (laughs) We're spending like it's 1999 uh, and we're we're kind of contributing uh, by our own largesse. So the inflation, the increase, it was predicted that, you know, this was going to happen for us, though, wasn't it? I mean, it's not a surprise. It doesn't make it any easier to swallow, but it wasn't a surprise, was it? No, it, it's been coming for for over a year now, and so each month we, we create a new news cycle every time StatsCan releases the numbers, and we say that it's the highest since, it's the highest since, and each number seems to be going up and up. Uh, the Americans, which of course our economy is deeply tied to, had an outstanding inflation rate of like 8 point something percent in the past month, uh, so it was kind of known that our number was going to be pretty severe too. You mentioned, you know, the the effects and the cause behind the inflation and the high number we're seeing. Is there any sector that's hit harder than others, Moshe? It's the sectors where we are seeing it as consumers, right? If you ask consumers, where are you feeling this the most? They're going to say three things, probably groceries, gasoline and rent. And those three are really at the top of the list of, of numbers that went even above the number that you quoted. So because inflation is just an average increase in prices, some sectors are rising more. And those are the three that are really doing in uh, consumers a, a lot of damage. To be honest, I never really kind of understand why inflation occurs, Moshe. I mean, it's, it's the increase in prices of goods. So is it the fact that we're spending more than we ever have? Yeah, it's that combo suit that I, I said a couple of minutes ago. So if you imagine just 
uh, take a Tim Hortons, and let's say that it becomes extremely popular and everybody starts lining up at Tim Hortons. The fact is they only have so much coffee to go around them. So at some point to try and get rid of some of those customers, they're going to start increasing the price of coffee, right? And so if you imagine that all of goods in general are kind of experiencing that rush and crush of consumers, that's driving prices higher. But at the same time, imagine that as the lineup is occurring, Tim Hortons realizes that their shipment didn't come in today of coffee. At that point, too, they're going to say, oh, my gosh, we don't have enough coffee to feed all these people. So we're going to start pushing up prices as well to reflect the higher cost to us to getting it out onto the shelf, too. So it's that combo of effects that that we're seeing driving the story. Can we predict where the rate will go, Professor Mm. Lander? Or have we seen it level off or what are the indications that we're seeing, you know, turning the corner of these rates? So I'd say that we're starting to turn the corner. If you kind of imagine, you know, we're going up a mountain and going down on the other side, we're almost near the top. So we probably have another month still of bad numbers to come. And then after that, we're probably going to start talking about that the numbers are starting to come down. Bank of Canada last week increased interest rates, and they said at that meeting that they are not done by any stretch. And so what that's going to do is try and drive out some of that consumer spending. At the same time, supply side issues are going to be really driven by just how fast does this wave go? And does this wave of COVID have ripple effects that create seventh waves in Europe or in Asia that eventually filter over to Canada? And that's going to be the thing that's beyond our control. But hopefully, as we kind of get used to living with this, this is the type of thing that hopefully we'll figure out ways around it. And that that price pressure will alleviate towards the end of this year. Moshe, have we ever in history seen anything like this? It just seems like sort of the perfect storm of everything coming together to just kind of smack us in the face. Yeah, the the perfect storm element is kind of unique here because the the last time that we had some sort of global pandemic was the the Spanish flu over 100 years ago, and they they really weren't tracking inflation numbers back then anyway. Uh, But, you know, if if you really have old enough listeners that remember the 1970s uh, oil crisis with OPEC, uh, you know, there's the type of situation where you had this supply side constraint where oil was a huge part of the economy. And of course, Albertans can appreciate what it did for our economy. But uh, that supply side shock drove prices way up because oil was way more important in a manufacturing based economy. But combining it with the demand side, no, this is kind of unique in, in our recent experience. Speaking with Moshe Lander, economics professor from Concordia University. Now, I've got a question here on the text line for you, Professor. This is the question from the texter, not from us. Uh, Does the inflation rate and the high inflation rate have anything to do with our Feds spending us into debt? Yes and no. So when the government spends excessively, they are like an extra customer getting in line at Tim Hortons, right? So they spend just like we spend, just like businesses spend. So if they spend uh, frivolously, then yeah, they can be a contributor. Uh, The problem is that their spending could be long-term in nature or short-term in nature. So if it's long-term, say that they're spending on a dental care plan, a pharma care plan, that spending is going to go over years and years. That's actually not going to be as inflationary as if they're cutting people uh, $1,000 checks every month uh, like we were seeing last year during the height of the pandemic. The problem is that if they hadn't spent it, what damage would have been done by not spending? And I think on the balance, uh, this is a lesser evil than what we would have experienced if they hadn't spent. Is there anything we can do to get a handle on inflation other than sort of the high interest rates and that that type thing? Is there more that could be done? So 
from an individual standpoint, what we can do is we just have to be careful with our spending, right? I, I understand, you know, summer's coming, the snow is melting. Uh, we want to get out there and enjoy ourselves, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we need to think really carefully about what we're spending on and is it essential right now. If we can kind of pare back, if we can make sure that what we're spending is really necessary, then we can do our part. The federal government is going to have to do its part, too. And in a sense, it did. It brought the deficit down from $350 billion to $100 billion, forecasting to $50 billion. And so they are doing what they can within the context of the pandemic. And now we're going to look at businesses as well and say, you need to make sure as well that if you're spending, it's something that's going to deliver long-lasting benefits rather than just short-term blips. If everybody does their part, we'll at least have said we can do all we can, and that's it. Thank you so much for your explanation, and thanks for your time this morning, Professor. Anytime. That's Moshe Lander, economics professor from Concordia University. Stop spending, Sue. You're the problem. <laughs> you're the issue. You were telling me you were at Costco, and uh, you know, you're bringing up that inflation. I'm sorry. The hashtag Unite with Ukraine campaign is rolling along, offering Canadians a chance to lend a hand to Ukrainians in the fight against the Russian invasion. With details on just how much money has been raised to date and where the money is being used, we're joined by Dr. George Husilak, VP of Development and Fundraising with the Ukrainian World Congress. Good morning to you, George. Good morning, Andy. Well, let's talk about the number. I know it's quite impressive how much has been raised so far and how is it being used? Well, Unite, Ukraine, Unite with Ukraine is, is an organization that allows anybody anywhere to donate. It's the what we're hoping will be the world's largest crowdfunding campaign. And we have raised to date over $18 million U.S. Uh, this has been used to purchase defensive equipment in Ukraine to supply those that are defending Ukraine, uh, primarily those you know, citizens who've dropped their jobs, dropped their lives, and you know, picked up arms to fight against the Russian aggressors. Specifically, the funds are going to be used to purchase, are, are being used to purchase uh, uh, helmets, uh, protective bulletproof vests, night vision and thermal vision goggles, communication equipment, uh, fuel to deploy these these items where they're most needed. And so far, we have deployed over $15 million worth of that. So we are able to source, procure, and deploy this equipment quite efficiently. That's amazing, George. That, that was kind of leading into my next question. I was going to ask you, how, so the money we donate to hashtag Unite with Re- Ukraine, and then you take the money and purchase the equipment and send it over to that country? Exactly. We have, we've been around, Ukrainian World Congress is the organization behind Unite with Ukraine. Uh, we were founded in 1967, so we have a long history steeped in helping the Ukrainian diaspora of over 20 million people in over 60 countries. And we also have great logistics within Ukraine because we've been intimately involved with um, <clears throat> things that are happening there. So as soon as the war broke out, we were able to mobilize very quickly. We added a few people to our staff, sort of scaled up our operations, and we were able to get this equipment out very, very efficiently. And right now, our supply routes are still very good. We're able to get this where it needs to go. Dr. Husilak, can you talk a little bit more about your team in acquiring these items? Because these aren't items you can pick up at, you know, for example, the Home Depot or a grocery store. These are very specific niche items, aren't they? You're absolutely right. And the good thing is that we're a worldwide organization. So we have been able to source, I would say, most of our equipment in neighboring European countries. Uh, Other countries such as Canada, the U.S., uh, even Australia, they they have this equipment sort of sitting idle, ready to be deployed. 
And, you know, right now there's, uh, being in Canada, we have pressure on the Canadian government. They've been wonderful so far, but there's always, always more we can do. And with the people we have, they're both logistics people. There's some military people, both on the American and the Canadian side of the border. They have pretty deep connections into companies and sources and um, governmental entities that have this sort of equipment. So we have been quite successful in being able to source this. But to your point, you're absolutely right. It, it is tough to keep the supply up. And, you know, with, with the... Um, morbid anticipation that chemical warfare may become a player in the coming days. You know, we're trying to, for example, source gas masks right now, and that is proving to be a challenge. We are succeeding, but it is increasingly difficult. I see on the website, too, medical supplies are also something that you're supplying to the country and to the people of Ukraine. We'll send people to the website, unitewithukraine.com, to help out. You can donate right there. Thank you so much for your time this morning. That's fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Dr. George Husilak, VP of Development and Fundraising with the Ukrainian World Congress. Again, unitewithukraine.com. And now is the time. That's right. Right now to get your hands on Calgary Stampeders season tickets at the best price. With details on this year's ticket drive, we're joined this morning by Alex Snell, Senior Manager, Business Operations for the Calgary Stampeders. Hi, Alex. Morning, Sue. How are you? Oh my gosh, we are pumped. It is days away now. With a countdown is on. We're super excited. So tell us all about the ticket drive. Well, yeah, absolutely. We are days away. I mean, training camp starts in 25 days. Home opener is in 50 days. It's going to be here before we know it. So there's still time to get season tickets. And at this time of year, that's when our season ticket push really uh, kicks into high gear. And and we've been selling a lot of uh, new season ticket memberships. And they're on sale right now. Great benefits. You're saving, you know, upwards of 45% off of a regular game day ticket at door price. Uh, flexible payment plans. You can exchange tickets out if you can't make it to every single game. That's one of the concerns. How am I going to use all these tickets? We've got an option for you. Discounts at our merchandise store and obviously other uh, access to other tickets uh, throughout the, all, all the CSEC teams. So uh, becoming a season ticket member, uh, tons of benefits. Tons of benefits, and yes, something that I think is 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 cool is the budget friendly, you know, payment plans as well. Because you know, for a lot of people, that this is a big upfront cost, but you make it easier, don't you, Alex? We absolutely do, Andy. And you know what? Uh, our family zone season tickets—you're looking at about one hundred and twenty-five dollars per seat, um, and obviously, right up to a thousand dollars for a season mm-hmm. ticket. You know, for our our uh, fifty-five yard line uh, seats, their platinum seats. But uh, you got it flexible payment plans, pay a little each month uh, and, and spread it out throughout the year. Uh, and a lot of our season ticket members do that and, uh, and they love it. So uh, absolutely get your tickets today. I think everybody's kind of ramping up for the season, expecting a really good one from our Calgary Stampeders. And through the pandemic, things have been very different. So I think it'll be nice to get back in McMahon Stadium, cheering on the team and having some fun and, and, and you're outside to boot. So really, it's kind of a win-win for everybody, isn't it? It really is, and uh, last year was it was great. We got to play football. There were restrictions, and it was cumbersome, and and we uh, we appreciated everybody that um, you know did their part uh, to try and get into the building uh, appropriately and within the rules and guidelines and so forth. But um, you know, this year we're looking at obviously no restrictions. Um, you know, more access to the team, which I think is really fantastic with the Calgary Stampeders. We have such a great connection with the community and our fans, and, and we're getting that back. 
I think we're going to be able to have people at training camp in the stands watching. We had to close the doors last year. Um, so we're really excited about uh, this season and being back to normal, if I can say that. Mm-hmm. Just before we let you go, Alex, I know that there's so many, you make such an experience. You've got the TELUS patio, Snapple patio, Red and White Club, Quick Six Stable. So many different options for how you want to enjoy your Stampeders games. Absolutely. And, and, and Andy, it's a good point that a lot of people don't know that we have these premium options. The TELUS patio, you're right down at field level. If you've never been to a Stamps game and watched it from field level, it's an experience on its own. It includes all-you-can-eat food, Bring your staff out, bring your family out. We have outdoor, uh, uh, our Snapple suites, which are 12 people. Again, all you can eat food. We've got bar service. You have your own host. Um, we've got lots of options other than just sitting in the stands. And uh, so absolutely go to stampeters.com slash tickets. Check out our premium experiences. Just so you know, Telus Patio, sold out for home opener already uh so uh give us a call quickly because uh, it's moving quickly right now stampeters.com slash tickets you got it on it thanks so much alex looking forward to a great season thanks you and andy have a great day everyone go stamps go yeah go stamps go is right alex snell senior manager business operations for the calgary stampeters again stampeters.com slash tickets Yes. Can you hear that, Sue? That bizarre sound is the electrical language of mushroom. New research from the unconventional computing laboratory of the University of the West England, of West England, West of England, is studying the way mushrooms communicate. Joining us with insight is Katie Field, professor of plant soil processes, School of Biosciences at the University of Sheffield. Good morning to you, Professor Field. Oh, good morning. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for taking the time with us for perhaps maybe the most interesting story of the morning. (laughs) First of all, before we get into this language, how do you collect the sounds of mushrooms making sound? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think the scientists who did this particular study, what they did was they actually measured the electrical impulses that were generated by the growing like threads thread-like filaments um, that form most of a fungus. They kind of measured those impulses that were flowing down those filaments using tiny, tiny electrodes. So they kind of insert these electrodes into this stuff that the fungus is growing across, and they measure the electrical spiking um, just in, in a similar way as you'd measure a nerve sort of spiking. Now, we should point out that we're not, despite the way that that sounded, we're not just talking magic mushrooms. We're talking mushrooms as a whole. <laughs> so the question, though, is why? Why, who would, why was anyone even thinking about the idea of figuring out whether mushrooms make a sound? Yeah, so that's kind of interesting because, I mean, it's not immediately obvious. Um, I think most people think of fungi just as being mushrooms. But actually, Fungi exist more as like an, an invisible network below the soil or in decaying wood or whatever substrate it is that they're growing on. And it's those thread-like filaments that interconnect with other fungi, but also with plants that grow around them. And they can form these sort of really intimate associations with plant roots. And what people discovered previous to this sort of communication uh, discovery was that plants are able to communicate with each other via this underground fungal network. And so I think one of the things that's sort of been really interesting and people have been really wanting to try and find out is how does that work? Like, how are those signals transmitted through this fungal network? 
And it could well be that this electrical spiking, this sort of electrical language, in inverted commas, um, is, is one way in which that could happen. Electrical language, we've now quantified it as a sound, but, you know, as humans do, a sound is just that until we attribute a meaning behind it. So I'm wondering, can we glean anything as far as the information that these mushrooms are sharing? Do we know what they're saying? <laughs> oh, man, I wish. It would be amazing, wouldn't it? <laughs> I think we're quite a long way from decoding exactly what it is that mushrooms are saying to each other. I think it's probably better to look at it as a... As a, as a transmission of information across an organism so much the same way as if you touch a hot plate and then you move your hand away and that's actually the result of electrical impulses detecting that heat going to your brain and the brain sending a signal back down to your finger and you're moving your finger away i think it's probably something more akin to that rather than an actual uh discussion happening between mushrooms so you think we'll be able to use this information then in an important way moving forward Potentially. I mean, the more we understand about how organisms communicate both within and between each other, then the more we kind of, the more we understand about the world around us and how interconnected different organisms are and how they interact with each other. It kind of gives us a better opportunity to, to look after the world, but also potentially use it um, to, I don't know, to improve various, various things about things around us. Katie, thank you very much for your time. Uh, that is super interesting, kind of mind-blowing. No problem. Appreciate it. <laughs> thank you, Valerie. Great talking to you. Thanks. That's Katie Field, professor of plant soil processes, School of Biosciences at the University of Sheffield. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.